You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Thank you for joining us for this Friday, February 16th edition of the Broomfield Enterprise. My name is Elaine. Today we will be reading from the following main articles. Broomfield Symphony to showcase eight soloists at an upcoming event. Broomfield Crossing Rotary gears up for Battle of the Wits. And Broomfield rezones land for income-restricted homes. Boulder County awards $620,000 in environmental grants. And Broomfield Fish supporting residents with annual food drive. The Broomfield City Council plans to continue affordable housing discussions. And Carrie Pettis, the bookwoman this week, reviews a story of the Zero Tolerance Initiative. And Kelly Rowski writes about people and plants and asparagus and its superpowers. These and other articles. The Broomfield Symphony to showcase eight soloists at an upcoming event. In an upcoming event, the Broomfield Symphony Orchestra will feature eight talented soloists in a showcase performance at the Broomfield Auditorium. The soloists, many of whom have decades of experience, will present a variety of pieces for the performance from classical composers, including Bach and Mozart. The soloists featured include flute, oboe, violin, clarinet, bass, trumpet, and two cellists. The showcase takes place at 7.30 p.m. February 24th at the Broomfield Auditorium, 3 Community Park Road. Tickets are available online at broomfieldsymphony.org or at the event if not sold out. Broomfield Crossing, excuse me, Broomfield Crossing Rotary gears up for Battle of Wits. This year's installment of the Broomfield Crossing Rotary's trivia event promises food, fun, and friendly competition. The 7th Annual Broomfield Brain Trust is slated for February 23rd at the Chateau at Fox Meadows, 13600 Xavier Lane. With limited spots and close competition, Hopeful Brainiacs should register soon. So far, 25 teams have registered and five tables are left, according to Jeff Taylor, the event organizer. Each team has six people who work together to answer trivia questions. At last year's event, the competitors answered 64 questions from eight categories. The competition is always close, according to Taylor. We've never had a repeat winner and it's always been a close contest with a point or two. So we know we're doing the questions right. The competition is so close that last year's winning team, the Red Hot Trivia Peppers, captained by Kirk Sava, won by only one point. We didn't think we were in contention to win till the very end, and then, lo and behold, we won, and we got this wonderful trophy, Sava said. It was just a blast and I look forward to it every year. He explained that one of the best parts about the event is the variety of questions, all of which require quick thinking and a diverse team. 
The trivia categories are not known to us until the event, and some of them are quite obscure, as Sava said. It's not your usual everyday trivia. It's difficult stuff, so it really forces you to lean on different members of your team to get answers correct. All of the categories and questions are thought up by the event's quiz mistress, Jan Stokes. I work on this all year round, and my inspiration for categories and questions within the categories come from anywhere, from a billboard, a TV commercial, from something on the news, or a friend's suggestion. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun, and I learn a lot, she said. It's all useless information, but I have so much fun doing it. Stokes has been crafting trivia questions for the event since it began, and the only repeat category she has used is sports. Everything else is a collective of ideas she gathers throughout the year to prepare for the event. One of my favorite categories was identifying state outlines. But the kicker was that it would be rotated, Stokes said. It was so fun for me to watch because almost in unison, every team would lean one way or the other to try and identify the state. It was just so fun and silly. Proceeds from the event are donated to nonprofit groups in Broomfield and beyond. Food for the event is being provided by local pizzeria iPie. Rotary members and students from Legacy High School help keep the event running, with the students acting as table monitors and cheerleaders for each team. Participants take the trivia seriously, but have a whole heck of a lot of fun while they're doing it, she said. Participation for a trivia team of six is $400, which includes dinner and snacks. To register, you can contact Jeff Taylor at 970-331-2375 or taylorx3 at comcast.net. Broomfield rezones land for income-restricted homes. Broomfield officials approved two ordinances Tuesday regarding the new 40-unit The Grove at Cottonwood, an income-restricted housing development plan for the Northmore neighborhood. The two ordinances, which include vacating the right-of-way of a cul-de-sac and rezoning land slated for the development, passed in Tuesday night's meeting 8-1. to one. Ward 4 Councilmember Lori Anderson opposed both ordinances. City Council members approved the Grove at Cottonwood last month. Of the 40 units, 25% will be dedicated to residents with intellectual and de developmental disabilities. The remaining 75% of the units are set aside for residents who make less than 60% of the Broomfield area median income or up to $52,000. Area median income limits are set by the federal government. Anderson and multiple residents in the Northmore neighborhood sidewalks are too narrow for residents using mobility or visual aids and that there are few crosswalks nearby. In the January 23rd meeting, city and county manager Jennifer Hoffman said the Broom that Broomfield does not have plans to widen the sidewalks in Northmore. She said neither the city and county nor the developers of the Grove are required to widen sidewalks. 
In other matters, the council also approved four ordinances concerning boards and commissions in the city and county, all of which passed unanimously. The ordinances allowed changes to the municipal code to restructure and reallocate responsibilities of some boards and commissions. The changes include removing required council member positions on all boards, excluding the Advisory Committee on Environmental Sustainability. The changes also include dissolving the Board of Equalization and transferring the board's responsibilities to the City Council. Boulder County awards $620,000 in environmental grants. Boulder County officials Tuesday said they would give $620,456 in environmental sustainability matching grants to nine cities in the region to support things like electric landscaping equipment and recycling projects. This year's selection of projects ranging from climate resiliency, cooling solutions to waste services, highlights the importance of place-based community-led strategies, according to Leah Yancey, the Boulder County Senior Sustainability Strategist. Boulder is set to receive $215,000 to help workers switch over to electric landscaping equipment and to support urban forestry growth. Longmont was granted $201,000 to help improve neighborhood cooling systems and to bolster recycling initiatives at city parks. Lafayette will also use its $63,000 to improve recycling in its park and to convert a fire station's turf lawn into xeriscape landscaping. Officials in Erie, Jamestown, Lyons, and Nederland, also Superior and Louisville, are set to use their grant money for various local initiatives to improve energy efficiency. In Boulder County, we're turning our climate and sustainability goals into reality, one project at a time, according to Boulder County Commissioner Claire Levy. This $620,000 investment across nine communities isn't just about funding, it's a testament to our collective commitment to a sustainable future. The Sustainability Matching Grant Program started in 2014. In 2016, voters approved a 0.125% countywide sustainability tax, which designates a portion of sales and use tax revenue for fund sustainability programs and infrastructure. Each city is required to match a quarter of the funding that it requests from the program with its own funds. Broomfield Fish supporting residents with its annual food drive. Food Bank and Resource Center Broomfield Fish is seeking donations and hosts for its Love Your Neighbor Drive. Fish, which supports residents in need through assistance programs, including its free self-serve marketplace, is hosting its annual Love Your Neighbor Food Drive. In 2023, it served over 13,300 unduplicated people and distributed over 1.5 million pounds of food and aims to gather 50,000 pounds of food for the drive. Fish's high-need items include crackers, soup, and broth, juice, cooking oil, shampoo, toothbrushes, toothpaste, and more. 
For more information or to host a drive, you can visit broomfieldfish.org. Residents can drop off food or personal care items directly to Fish at Six Garden Center or at the following businesses collecting items for the drive. Anthem Highlands at 3624 Parkside Center Drive, Beautiful Savior Lutheran Church and School at 6995 West 120th Avenue, Body 20 North Broomfield, 2255 West 136th Avenue, Broomfield United Methodist Church at 545 West 10th, City and County of Broomfield donation bins are located at the George DeCero City and County Building, at the Broomfield Health and Human Services, at the Broomfield Library, at the Broomfield Community Center, and at the Paul Durter Recreation Center. Core Power Yoda has donation bins located at 549 Flatiron Drive, and Family Hearing at 300 Nickel Street has donation drop-off as well. That's in Westminster. Holy Comforter Episcopal Church at 1700 West 10th Avenue and Oracle at 500 El Dorado Boulevard. Orange Theory Fitness in Broomfield collects donations as well and they're at 1285 East 1st Avenue. Broomfield City Council plans to continue affordable housing discussion after a two-week break. The Broomfield City Council will reconvene Tuesday to discuss affordable housing for intellectually and developmentally disabled residents and the county's board and commissions. The meeting will include the second reading of two ordinances regarding a new affordable housing development. The development, dubbed the Grove at Cottonwood, would be located at the Northmore neighborhood and include one and two bedroom units spread across one one-story building and one two-story building and one three-story building. All of the 40 units of the 40 units, 25% will be dedicated to residents with intellectual and developmental disabilities. The ordinances include vacating the right-of-way of a cul-de-sac and rezoning the land slated for the development. The development plans were approved by the council at the January 23rd meeting. The council will also review multiple ordinances regarding boards and commissions, primarily the transferring of responsibilities to and from boards. Council meetings take place most Tuesdays at 6 p.m. at the George DeCero City and County Building at 1 Decomb Drive and can be attended in person or virtually at broomfield.org forward slash live. This week, Carrie Pettis, the bookwoman, reviews My Boy Will Die of Sorrow, a story of the Zero Tolerance Initiative. This book is by Efren C. Olivares. Efren Olivares was part of the Texas Civil Rights Project when the events in this book took place. He currently works with the Immigrant Justice Project at the Southern Poverty Law Center. This book is partly a memoir of how he and his family came to the U.S. and partly a report on the results of the Zero Tolerance Initiative that began under the Trump administration in 2018. Attempting to deter a growing immigration crisis, the new policy stated that children would be separated from their parents once they crossed the border. 
The age of the children was not a consideration, no serious system was put in place to keep track of them, and there was no plan to reunite the families either. Some children were sent to detention centers, some were placed temporarily with foster families. As a lawyer in McAllen, Texas, where most of the separation began, Olivares jumped into the fray, interviewing parents and attempting to document what had happened. The book tracks a handful of the first families he helped, though there were many hundreds more. By the end of the program, the total number of separated families surpassed 5,000. The zero tolerance policy was one of the cruelest systematic human rights violations in this country in recent memory. Olivares' personal story was less traumatic. He and his mother followed his father to the U.S. Where he, when he was a preteen. He tells of his initial difficulties in school and the hardships of his family, but they made a life for themselves and eventually became citizens. Olivares was the first in his family to graduate from college. Kelly Ralski writes about people and plants, and this week, asparagus and its superpowers. Am I the only person to regularly see the word detox these days? Seems like that word shows up on commercials, advertisements, social media, and a whole lot of blogs. Since looking more deeply into our unregulated supplements in this country a few weeks ago, I have decided to follow my own advice. My goal is to promote a healthy mind and body through diet, more nutrient-dense foods, and fewer over-the-counter supplements. Asparagus is high in a compound called glutathione. This phytochemical has been shown to be an important antioxidant that can help keep the body's natural detoxification pathways open. Oregon State University shares that glutathione is so important that its existence appears to date back as far as oxygen-dependent or aerobic life itself, about 1.5 billion years. Glutathione helps to detoxify environmental stresses, air pollutants, heavy metals, pharmaceuticals, and many other toxic insults. Our bodies can naturally make glutathione from other compounds, but this ability tends to decrease with age. There's some debate whether oral supplementation of glutathione is effective. The only agreed-upon advice I found was that asparagus contains the highest amount of it than any other food, and that's important. According to Dr. Mark Hyman, he even calls it the most important molecule you need to stay healthy and prevent disease. Since I love asparagus, this is a definite win-win for me. Asparagus is also jam-packed with vitamins, minerals, protein, and fiber. It's low in calories and really available, readily available at the local market, typically either frozen or fresh. You can steam, bake, broil, or grill asparagus. We can also grow asparagus here in Colorado. It's a perennial plant that can live for many years. One source stated that asparagus would remain productive up to 30 to 35 years. The only caveat with growing asparagus at home is that you have to wait a year or two to harvest it. 
you can find detailed instructions on growing asparagus on the net. In case you're not a fan of asparagus but are interested in boosting your glutathione levels, then avocados, spinach, and okra reportedly also contain high levels of this important compound. North Metro Fire in Broomfield to hold CPR classes. North Metro Fire will be holding a bleeding control class and a CPR class on March 2nd. When someone has a traumatic injury, being able to control the bleeding greatly increases the chance of survival. According to fire officials, participants will learn how to pack a wound and how to apply a tourniquet during the bleeding control class from 10.30 a.m. to 11.30. On March 2nd at North Metro Fire Department Headquarters, 101 Spader Way in Broomfield. Similarly, if someone goes into cardiac arrest outside of a hospital, chances of survival are near 10%, according to officials. If someone performs CPR on the person, chances of survival increase significantly. Fire officials will hold CPR training from 8 to 10 a.m. and from noon to 2 p.m. March 2nd. You can register online. CPR certification will be offered through a partnership with the American Heart Association. Heart of Broomfield calling for nominations. This year marks the 23rd annual Heart of Broomfield Awards, where the Broomfield Enterprise and the Broomfield Community Foundation recognize residents for their achievements, including donation of time, talent, or life's work that has positively impacted the quality of life within the community. This year will feature three award categories. Heart and Soul, an individual who consistently gives of themselves. Heart of Gold, recognizing a group of volunteers, businesses, departments, or a collaborative team. And Enduring Heart Lifetime Achievement, a proven community leader and visionary. Nominations are open now through March 15th at broomfieldfoundation.org forward slash heart. Winners will be recognized and honored at a community reception on June 7th at the Chateau at Fox Meadows. Local Author Spotlight, a preteen's fictional Hawaiian adventure, and a look at Black Cowboys in the West and more local titles. Black Cowboys and Early Cattle Drives by Nancy Williams. <clears throat> this is nonfiction. 160 pages long. The summary, after the Civil War, emancipated slaves didn't want to pick cotton or operate an elevator, headed west to find work and a new life. Charles Goodnight and Oliver Loving drove 2,000 Longhorn cattle across southern Texas, blazing a trail to Bosque Redondo in New Mexico. In 1866, the new Goodnight Loving Trail was crowded with cattle that were headed for a government market. By the 1870s, 25% of the more than 35,000 cowboys in the West were black. They were part of the trail crews who drove more than 27 million cattle on the Goodnight Loving Trail, Western Trail, Chisholm Trail, and the Shawnee Trail. They were paid equally, and their skill and ability brought them earned respect and prestige. Nancy 
Williams, the author, recounts their lasting legacy. Exploring mountains and old abandoned mining camps, deserted diggings has always fascinated Nancy Williams. She's a lifetime spent in the West. It's given her plenty of opportunities to learn about the many different people who struggled to carve out their lives amid its beauty and massive challenges. She's the author of Buffalo Soldiers on the Colorado Frontier, as well as three books on haunted hotels in California Gold Country, Northern Colorado, and Southern Colorado. Thank you for joining us for Broomfield Enterprise. My name is Elaine. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777.